listen, one week ago on this very intro, I may or may not have, but definitely did make fun of Joe Zolo for not making any fantasy playoffs. Since that heinous act, I have won exactly one playoff game and I am in zero fantasy championships. And you're about to get advice from me. The good news is Josh is here with me and he is way more successful this season. I'm here to live vicariously through all of you. Let's set some championship lineups. Guess what? I didn't even have the video up. So now I have to stall a few seconds while I bring the video up. What a week of hosting. Aren't you glad you got Ryan instead of Joe? Let's get into it. What is up? Welcome to No Punt Intended, presented by Club Fantasy. I am your host, Ryan Weiss, and me and Josh just keep muting and unmuting his mic, but he muted himself, which is why it won't allow me to unmute him right now. There he goes, Joshua Hudson, the only successful fantasy host on this show, the only one of us who remembers to have an intro video up before he starts running his damn mouth on the podcast. I can't do anything right, especially not set fantasy lineups. How are you tonight, Josh? Oh, man, I'm tired. I've been up since like three o'clock this morning. So uh, if you get some delirious takes, this is going to be a fun show. Let me tell you. (laughs) Hilariously enough, Josh, (laughs) so have I. Uh, Me and the wife spent the day in New York City yesterday, and I'm old and forgot to take Tums and smashed so much pizza yesterday and woke up with the worst fucking heartburn. So I've also been up since three, but... I'm just an old man, so I should definitely be in bed right now. Yeah, I blame my job for scheduling me to work the morning shift when they know, A, Wednesdays are podcast day. Yeah. Josh doesn't work Wednesdays. But B, scheduling me at 8 o'clock when I live 45 minutes away from work and I have to get up at 5.30 just to make sure that I get there. But because all I ever do is close and never wake up early, my body says, <laughs> You get to sleep. That's hilarious. (laughs) (laughs) I get it. For me, I honestly, I woke up and realized that because I was in New York City all day yesterday, I hadn't set our rankings or anything on our website. So I was like, I have fantasy work to do. I I came out and started. I worked on the the DFS matchup article, got our rankings up on the website, did everything I needed to do for the the website. Josh did the waivers for me this week. Let's get into some housekeeping because first of all, we have a lot of concurrent views right now. Welcome if you're new. Congratulations on your championship because I can't imagine you're sitting here watching a fantasy football show if you're not in a championship right now. So congratulations. We are here to help. We answer any and every question. Drop it in the chat and we will get it on the show. And another big welcome to those watching us on X formerly known as Twitter, we can actually see your comments in the stream again for the longest time we were not able to. We cannot answer you via writing, but we can show them on the screen and get everybody's opinion and give our own opinion on it. So if you have questions over on X, drop them on the show sheet. We'll be more than happy to help you guys out. Let's get a little bit of uh, housekeeping out of the way. News and notes from the week. Trevor Lawrence sprained AC joint. Uh, it was CJ Beathard who came in for that one on him, right? Yeah, I was going to say, they have a lot of backup quarterbacks. Zach Wilson, concussion, already out for Thursday. Trevor Simeon's going to start against Cleveland, against former Jets quarterback Joe Flacco. TJ Hawkinson, torn ACL and MCL, will miss the rest of the season. Broncos are benching Russell Wilson to prefer, 
preserve the financial flexibility in 2024 and 2025. Jarrett Stidham will start the rest of the season. More on that later. Giants are benching Tommy Cutlets. Rest in peace. Terod Taylor is going to take back over. The Washington Commanders are benching Sam Howell. It's been a whirlwind season at one point. He was like leading the NFL in attempts and yards and everything else. And now Jacoby Brissett is the starter, um, which could be really good for Terry McLaurin based on past uh, experience. Ramondre Stevenson placed on IR. More on that later. That's going to end his season. Green Bay is suspending Jair Alexander for one game for conduct detrimental to the team. And CJ Stroud returned to practice after missing the last two games with a concussion. Josh, I'm going to get my thing out of the way first. We both highlighted something on the sheet. And I just want to point out the sheer stupidity of Joe's Patriots. Because you are going to let Ramondre Stevenson not be on IR for the last, if I remember correctly, three weeks. And then you're going to wait until there are two games left. Your season is long over. And now you put him on IR. There are people out there in keeper leagues and probably even dynasty leagues that if you have a dynasty league, like I run them where you can't put out players on IR, they could have really fucking used sliding him into the IR spot. So thanks, Bill Belichick. I think this one was just to spite fantasy managers. Terrible move. You were never going to play him. Why not just pop him on IR right from the Yeah, and it's not even like the Patriots were contending at any point in the last three weeks. Like, they they have been a dumpster fire on offense all season long. So, it really did not make any sense to keep this thing, like, pushing and pushing. Like, if he missed one game, like, it wasn't going to make that big of a difference. Exactly. Put him on IR, take him out for the year, let him rest up so he's back healthy when presumably you have better structured offense, a new quarterback, the new weapons. You got a bunch of uh, cap space. Like you can revamp this entire offense in one season. It helps to have a fully healthy Ramondre Stevenson, if that's going to be the case. Yeah. Thought it was a very weird move, but it's been a weird two years for the Patriots. You got the Cole strange pick and all the other weird shit they've done. And, and now you just kind of waste Ramondre Stevenson. I don't even want to say waste him. You didn't waste him, but man, you wasted people's time. But Josh, you, you took offense. Rightfully so at the Broncos handling of Russell Wilson. Wow. Still technically in contention for a playoff spot. Yeah. I mean, this is, this is Derek Carr all over again. Like this is exactly what the Raiders did. They sat Derek Carr for the final few games of the season, basically because they didn't want to lock in additional uh, financial commitments to the, for the following year. Cause he had a clause in his contract that was triggered via uh basically passing a physical right so they do not owe him that money if they release him prior to that date of getting triggered but by keeping him out he doesn't have a chance to get injured right okay well here's the thing the broncos are still technically in the playoff hunt like i can understand and and justify you're benching him for performance issues sure if you just want a box score scout a little over 3,000 passing yards, 26 touchdowns, eight interceptions. Sure, that looks great. This guy couldn't even beat the New England fucking Patriots. There's like Russ has not been good this year. And I don't think anybody sitting here listening, watching, etc., will will say that he has been good. But you can't sit here and tell me, even with Russell Wilson struggling, that Jared Stidham is the better option. It's just not. Jared Stidham is not good at football. He's not. It just clicked for me, wasn't it? For Stidham? For Derek Carr? Yes. Yes. <laughs> I'm a common denominator in all of this. <laughs> it's clearly Jared Stidham is the problem. 
like and I right and I understand that the Broncos went out and they gave Stidham you know a free agent contract I think it was like 10 uh, two years 10 million dollars whatever which that's that's pretty solid money for a backup quarterback but showing out with Jared Stidham that that's not making you better this year it's certainly not solving any level of issue you've already made up your mind you do not want to go forward with Russ but if you have a chance to win this year I, like I, I just I don't I don't yeah. understand owners and coaches really that yeah. are like you know what I'm gonna waste the rest of my roster's time, their health and potentially their paychecks and future paychecks, and not try to win football games. Yeah, that that's a bad look for the organization, for the fan base, people that you're charging God knows how much money to show up to these games. Like well, it's just. I, 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 it's hard to respect. What does it say to Patrick Sertan and Javonta Williams? And why do those uh, guys want to resign with them? Boom. Because you're telling me right now, we have a chance to fight for a playoff spot and you are throwing the white flag. Let's call what it is. Jarrett Stidham's new nickname is the white flag because that's what you're throwing out in this game because you're not, you are one game behind a like five way tie for a playoff spot. But Anything can happen in the NFL and there are two games left and you have the chargers and I, I don't know who their week 18 is, but I imagine it's probably another division game. Um, it's just very, very, very strange that you have this young core of players, Javonta Williams, Jaleel McLaughlin, who you got on this undrafted free agent contract. Uh, you need to make a decision on Jerry Judy. I believe they just paid Cortland Sutton. Yeah, they just paid Cortland Sutton and Tim Patrick. So you have all these decisions you need to make and you're going to make it with Jarrett Stidham, just a bad move overall. Awful. Just awful. Uh, let's get to some of these questions, Josh. we got some good ones already. So, uh, first of all, Jelly of the Month Club, welcome. Uh, thanks for the help this year. Two teams, both in the title game. Uh, opponent needs a kicker and a defense. They have first waiver priority. Who should they block? Ravens defense and special teams or Harrison Butker? For me, kickers just score too similarly, so yeah, I would exactly. probably block Ravens, but then I'm also like, while I don't like Tua this week, the Ravens are playing Miami, and Dallas just had another poor showing against the Miami Dolphins. Now, this one is in Baltimore, which I think makes it a little bit better play. I'm not rushing out to, to grab Butker. I, I would grab the Ravens in this situation. Gotcha. Yeah, I, I as well would do uh, the defense here. L like you mentioned, kickers have been really hit or miss. They, they score too similarly. Not all of them are going to have the 22-point upside of, of a Jason Sanders from last week. Yeah. I think it was him that 22 points. Um, but defenses can. And the Ravens' defense, man, they show up in these, like, do-or-die games where they need to make a statement. And as Patrick Queen said, we're trying to pop them in the mouth every single play. And you know what? They're doing it. And when you have these teams like the Dolphins that are built on speed and finesse, when you get physical with them, it throws them off their game. That's exactly what Philly did when Philly yep. played Miami. I was going to say, right? I hate to give him any sort of credit, but Joe Zolo has been saying that for a while, that you beat this team by making sure Tyreek Hill isn't where he's supposed to be yep. when Tua wants him to be there. Yeah, so. because their offense, especially their passing game, is built around timing routes. Yep. And so, like, they do it so well. Don't get me wrong. But, again, if you're a defense that can – you know, play press and play man, and you can get to them early, 
just that split second is the difference between a 60 yard touchdown or a pick six. Yeah. And a pick six is all it really takes to be relevant. <laughs> right yeah, fast. Now. yeah. With fantasy defense, uh, Nino Pena says any defense is standing out to us. Uh, you've already named my stream of the week. I think the Rams are a good play this week. I am going to throw some caution to the air on the New York jets. Josh, the Browns are red hot. Have this momentum going behind Joe Flacco. Amari Cooper looks uncoverable. They have an excellent run game between Jerome Ford and um, Kareem Hunt. And David Njoku looks like a man reborn. I, I hate to say that he rose from the ashes. <laughs> I was waiting for it. The joke was right there. <laughs> but he certainly did. Please tell me. Did you see him call Brown's Twitter out? They put a Christmas comic picture out. Why you got to put me by the fire, bro? Y'all didn't have to put me by the fire. So shout out to David Njoku. Uh, my my little brother has been riding him all the way to his uh, second consecutive fantasy championship. Uh, wonderful end of the season. I am going to pour some water on the Jets defense. They have been good this year. I don't think they're going to be able to run with the Browns on a Thursday night short week in Cleveland. I think Cleveland might run away with this game, Josh. Yeah, uh, look, as bad as the commander's offense is, the Jets' defense gave up 28 points to them. Yeah. that That is all I needed to know about the Jets' defense. <laughs> Straight up. That's all I needed to know. They've thrown in the towel just like the offense did in week two. Uh, Atlanta's an interesting one, but if the Rams are out there, I would much, much prefer the Rams to, uh, to the Atlanta Falcons. Just uh, my opinion, my rankings right now. Um, but Chicago, you never know what you're going to get. Um, I think DJ Moore is questionable coming into this one again. So, yeah, I mean, well, he hurt his ankle last week. So I just bet. Yeah. Just there's, there's so much going on with the Bears. So yeah, I, I don't know that I would run out to, uh, grab Atlanta until I knew more about that, but, uh, the Rams are someone I'm very highly invested in, as you will see in just a few moments. Um, if you never watched our show before we give upside picks, we give downside picks. We answer every single one of your questions, um, throughout the show. And then you'll get my stream of the week at the end of the show, starting with upside. These are the players that we think are going to have a good week. If you've never tuned into our show, we get very bold with these takes. So we're able to defend our takes and we really do believe these are good plays, but when you hear our terrible records, just know that we get very bold and you'll hear how bold we are. So Josh's picks, uh, Oh, for three in week 16, bringing you to seven and 37 on the season, seven wins Oh, for one on your bonus picks. Of course, the uh, screenshot is DeAndre Swift. We're going to call him 100 rushing yards versus the Arizona Cardinals. Brock Purdy bounce back game for Josh, 25 fantasy points um, at the Washington Commanders. And Justin Jefferson reclaims his throne. He is the wide receiver one this week versus the Green Bay Packers. I like the boldness there, but we need to go talk about DeAndre Swift because for a little while there, Josh, I was getting concerned. We saw a very good DeAndre Swift at the beginning of the season. It wasn't looking so good for a little while there. Yeah, he's had two 100-yard games in 2023 for the Philadelphia Eagles. Both of them came in the first three weeks of the season. Ah. Last week, he rushed for 92 yards, which was his highest rushing total since week three when he hit, I believe it was 175 rushing yards. Okay. Arizona, this Cardinals defense is a leaky faucet in the run game. It is so bad. They have in the last six games, they have allowed five RB ones to top 95 or more rushing yards. 
I thought you meant they had one. five RB1 overall. So like, no, 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 no. saying like you. the number one yes. runner on that team. The only time they didn't was against the Steelers. And Najee Harris and Jalen Warren combined for 122 rushing yards. This defense cannot stop the run at all. They allow on the season the most fantasy points per game to the running back position. And since week 13, which for them has been three games because they had a week 14 by they've allowed the third most 30.6 fantasy points per game. DeAndre Swift has not been very involved in the passing game of late, but he can do it on the ground. And God forbid, if he doesn't fall at the one yard line, you might be looking at a two or three touchdown game too. <laughs> yeah. Unfortunately they should be running away with this game so much. He may have to just fall at the one yard line to uh, save face and become a hero for Philly and a villain for fantasy football. But look, at the end of the day, the, the Philadelphia Eagles offense has struggled. Like they, they had, I believe it was their second highest total yardage on the season last week against the Giants. And if you watch that game, that offensive performance was terrible. They looked out of sync. They looked discombobulated. They were, you know, instead of taking the short dump offs that are given to them, they're trying to go deep every single play for the big play. Like they yeah. need to just calm the fuck down and do what they do best which is run the damn football. DeAndre remember Swift who you are <laughs> to get going. Exactly. Remember who you are. They are a running football team and they have not been running the football very well. They need to take these next two games before the playoffs start to get that running game going. It needs to start this week against the Cardinals. I love that. Before we move on to mine and Joe's Josh, I wanted to just get your opinion. Justin Jefferson, man, looks like he is back after last week. So you're calling him the wide receiver one overall. He's making insane catches. He's making almost game-saving catches. Uh, if, it, if it wasn't for a, an errant throw towards the end there, he may have actually pulled that one out there too. But uh, it, it looks like Justin Jefferson is back. Is he your number one wide receiver heading into next season again? Oh, I, quarterback may play a role in that, in all honesty. That's what I, that's um, why I asked. <laughs> and that, that's going to be my biggest thing. I mean, I, look, he was the reason he was wide receiver one this year, he was the safest pick. It, yeah. it, it just... He had the, the lowest range of outcomes. Obviously, nobody wanted to factor in that he would pull a hamstring and miss six weeks. But obviously, we know what happened with the quarterback situation, losing Kirk Cousins, you know, jumping on the, the Josh Dobbs bandwagon, now switching things over to Nick Mullins, who, by the way, has the second most, second highest passing yardage over yeah. the last two weeks behind Joe Flacco. I Nick saw you call that out in your. Uh, I saw you yeah. call that out in your waiver article. So. Nick Mullins is slinging it, and J. Jeff had 148 receiving yards last week, I believe, on six catches. There's no Jair Alexander this game. Jair Alexander has made a habit of playing J uh, Justin Jefferson very tough. The Green Bay pass defense awful the last two weeks, absolutely yeah. awful since week 13. They have allowed 43.3 fantasy points per game to the wide receiver position. Good Lord. Yeah. And the, the more like the crazy stat about this is out of the slot, they're allowing 33 fantasy points per game. And Justin Jefferson runs anywhere between 30 and 40% of his routes on the season from the slot. They move him around a lot in this offense. Justin Jefferson may go for 250 this week. You may see him in the slot more this week with, TJ Hawkinson now out. They're going to want to correct. utilize the middle of the field and Osborne take, can take advantage the of the mismatches. Correct. Exactly. So that, that's going to be a very interesting one. Um, I went 0-2-1 last week. One of my guys did not play. That brings me to 
35 and 2, one game ahead of Josh on the season. Give me Chris Alave and Mike Evans. Josh, you mentioned uh, Jair Alexander always plays Justin Jefferson tough. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers and New Orleans Saints always play each other tough. Mike Evans is kind of notorious in this game. Um, but give me Chris Alave and Mike Evans combining for 45 fantasy points. And I have all sorts of trepidation after doing my research, but I'm going to stick by it. I'm also going to take Travis Kelsey over 100 yards. Josh mentioned DeAndre Swift getting his third 100-yard game. I believe this will be Kelsey's third 100-yard game, and it's certainly his first in the second half of the season, taking on the Cincinnati Bengals. And every week I give you a two-touchdown special, and you can basically bank that this person is not going to score a single touchdown, let alone two. Uh, My record on the season for this is two 12 and one last week. I said Hunter Henry and he didn't even make it to game time before he was the incorrect pick. But this week I'm why you got to drink drinks Bijan when I have him in two championships. I am going to curse Bijan Robinson in the fantasy championship and say he is going to score not one, but two tutties, the two tutty special Bijan Robinson. But Josh, I'm going to talk about this Chris Olave, Mike Evans thing. This was a gut call because we know how bad Tampa Bay has been against wide receivers. And there's also a narrative about Mike Evans that I'm, I'm going to stick with my pick here. I wanted to lower it to 40 points, but that's no fun. I'm going to keep it at 45. But there is a narrative about Mike Evans that he has one good game and one bad game against the Saints. That is not true. My man is mediocre as fuck against the Saints going back to 20. <laughs> Marshawn Lattimore, baby. <laughs> yeah. Um, in regular season games, I did not check playoff games. I think they faced each other in the playoffs one time in this span. But in regular season games, dude, I don't think has scored 12 fantasy points against the Saints in any of his games. Not one good and one bad. It's usually two mediocre or one bad and one mediocre. However, they both had terrible games in the previous matchup. I think um, Olave had like 0.4 of a point. I think he straight up had like four yards. And um, I think Mike Evans had four points. I'm going to call it that they're both due. And so I went back and looked. Mike Evans' last good game against the Saints was week one of 2018. He scored like 25 fantasy points. However, Mike Evans scored two touchdowns last week and has scored eight touchdowns in his last seven games. I'm not going to say that this is a better Mike Evans than what the Saints have faced in the past, but I think this is a more motivated Mike Evans. Both of these teams are playing for the division. I don't think he's going to let Lattimore at least not get him kicked out of the game. I'm hoping Mike Evans can pull, you know, 15 to 20 of these 45 points. So I'm putting a lot of points on Chris Olave here, who has scored, Josh, just 22 fantasy points total against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers in his career. And so I'm a little nervous. However, there's a lot of howevers, and those are just fancy butts. I told you, Ryan. (laughs) They are. They're very fancy butts. Um, Tampa Bay has given up 20 plus fantasy points to seven wide receivers since week nine. So what I am betting on here is that the currents of the current last six to eight games are going to stay true and not the ancient history. So I think Chris Olave and Mike Evans are going to go off this game. I don't think anybody was going to bench them in their lineup. So I think that Marshawn Lattimore thing gets a lot of people worried and they don't know what to do, but never forget who won you your fantasy championship last year when Mike Evans had that like 55 point game in week 17. I'm riding Mike Evans. See, now I know why you're bringing that up because (laughs) it was literally Mike Evans that had you beat me in my champ in our championship last year. Sure was. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But 
But now Josh doesn't have to worry about me because I can't make any championship games. Josh is in three of them. I'm rooting for you, buddy. The show needs to bring home some championships this year. You are our only legitimate hope, Obi-Wan Kenobi. I, I just want to say, your, your Travis Kelsey love this year caused me to go out and buy a bunch of shares of him in Dynasty. From me. And not a damn one of them made the championship. So thank you with so, your preseason kiss of death. Today, in a unprecedented move, I have to update my rankings, my dynasty rankings for football guys every third or every uh, Wednesday. I moved Kelsey from my dynasty tight end one spot. I moved him all the way to four. I just the tired legs. I'm not saying he's not going to ball next season, but the longevity is not there. I will take most of the young guys ahead of Kelsey anymore. It's a sad day for the fantasy world when Ryan Weiss no longer has Travis Kelsey as tight end one in his heart. Uh, and we like to throw Joe's picks out there, and I'll ask Josh if he wants to make fun of any of them. Joe actually went one and two last week, our only win last week, and he's ahead in the game by four games. 12, 32, and one on the year, plus one and oh on his bonus picks. Uh, he went DK Metcalf, 25 or more points versus Pittsburgh. Jonathan Taylor, 20 or more points versus the Las Vegas Raiders. And Travis Etienne, 15, I'm going to guess points. Uh, yeah, because he just did all points. Travis Etienne, 15 or more points versus Carolina. These all feel pretty safe to me, Josh. I mean, I don't know about DK 25 or more being okay. safe, but I, I will say I do like the Travis Etienne one. Uh, when I was initially looking at, you know, the stats and, and getting ready to make my picks yesterday, Etienne was the immediate one. It's like, wow, Carolina's run defense has been so bad this year. Like oh, they've been, you know, top three, most, you know, points allowed, et cetera, et cetera. They, their run defense has been a lot better of late. I think they're uh, 10th. They're in the, the bottom 10 in uh, fewest points allowed to fantasy running backs over the last like three or four weeks, I believe. And I was like, hmm, okay, maybe they've gotten a little bit better. Travis Etienne has struggled quite mightily of late. Yeah. And we know the Carolina pass defense has been good, quote unquote, because teams can typically run on them. Exactly. But even, you know, looking at Aaron Jones last week, 115 rushing yards. That was like, I think his best rushing output of the season. I so I, I think 15 is a very safe number because when I was looking at it, I was ready to go like 25 initially. And so I started doing my research and I was like, all right, let me back off. That's when I pivoted to DeAndre Swift. Well, we're going to talk about safe when I saw Joe's downsides as well, unless he changed them. But I'll come back in and talk about that in a second. However, that's the exact opposite, Josh. I started with 40 on the Mike Evans, Chris Olave thing before I did any research and was like, that doesn't feel high enough. Let me bump up to 45. Then I researched it and was like, Oh, I you just like taking them L's. Don't you? (laughs) Hey, I gave you good proof of why they should be good. I just need them to be great. Not good. (laughs) We'll we'll, we'll see how it goes. No, the DK one was the one that stuck out to me as well, just because that offense has just been super, super weird lately, but I'm going to pivot from DK a little bit. Josh, is it time to worry? about Tyler Lockett because he is looking mighty average as of late and at 30 years old JSN coming in we don't know what's going to happen with the quarterback how are you approaching Tyler Lockett for future fantasy purposes I mean this is basically what everybody said in the offseason when they drafted Jackson Smith and Jigba in the first round it was okay don't pay too high of a price for JSN and redraft but you're going to get the payoff at the end of the season because he's so good and Tyler Lockett's just older this is what happens, right? Like, I think he's still got a little bit left in the tank, but the type of wide receiver that Tyler Lockett is doesn't typically age well in the NFL. And I don't know why specifically that is. Um, 
but this is just really just a natural progression in my opinion like you're gonna see jsn slowly start taking those targets but i was never worried about dk metcalf dk's the the bona fide one a in that offense well it's something we noticed in my opinion it's something we noticed last year where dk kind of almost became the possession guy but josh Mm -hmm. i was just scrolling through tyler lockett because i know he came on a little bit at the end of the tennessee game and he did finish with 81 yards still only 16 fantasy points and do i have the switch to ppr um i assume i do yeah so uh 16 fantasy points in ppr but josh i found this very interesting tyler lockett's longest catch this entire season it's just 36 yards back in week six against Cincinnati. So they're not doing that is strange plays. for Lockett. Yeah, yeah he's not getting behind Lockett. anybody. So I find that very interesting. And uh certainly a, I mean, we've kind of always looked at him as a possession wide receiver, but he's always been able to break that big play, but has not broke the big play at all this season. Guys, if you have any questions for us, drop them in the chat, just like Jelly of the Month did. Uh, he wants to know, Josh, which QB are we leaning this week? Um, what's interesting is I don't think either one of these guys actually qualifies for an actual streamer stream of the week play because Baker Mayfield has been so good lately. Baker Mayfield taking on the New Orleans Saints. Jordan Love taking on the Minnesota Vikings, Josh. I like both these guys, but I don't know that I'm in a situation where I'm benching Baker Mayfield for anybody. <laughs> no, you're, you're not benching Baker. Um, I mean, first off, he has the better matchup. Saints defense has been kind of so-so. Um, but Minnesota's past defense has been awesome this season. They've been really, yeah, and they're they're getting after it. But I think the biggest thing here that really has me leaning towards Baker, aside from how hot Baker has been of late, who is Jordan Love throwing the football to? Because everybody outside of Romeo Dobbs is hurt. Yeah, Jaden Reed's been playing hurt. Christian Watson can't stay healthy. Uh, Dontavian Wicks got hurt last week. Yeah, Luke Musgrave could make an appearance this week. Um, they took him off of the IR last week, but announced him out for the game. Um, but even Tucker Craft has been quieter lately. Yeah, no. By uh, lately, this, I kind of mean last week. So Yeah, th- this is Baker tenfold for me. Yeah, with the way Rashad White's catching the ball, they're getting K. Dotton involved. Mike Evans, I already said I like a lot this week. And even if it's not Mike Evans, Chris Godwin should have a good week. It is also Baker Mayfield for me. Josh, George Play wants to know, is David Njoku still a good play this week? Uh, Jets, notoriously tough defense, have actually been very good against tight ends. If I remember correctly, I think Cleveland and Jets might be the worst two matchups for wide receivers and tight ends, or it's something really similar to that from when I did the article this morning. But David Njoku, is David Njoku matchup proof? With Joe Flacco at quarterback. Right now, yes. He is the tight end one since week eight. Yeah. You're not, yeah. You're, you're, there should not even be a question. You are starting David Njoku. Uh, I did my, my rankings early this morning. David Njoku came in as my tight end three. The only two tight ends I'm playing ahead of him, Travis Kelsey and Sam Laporta, my favorite two tight ends in fantasy football. So yes, David Njoku is still a good matchup, even non-PPR. He's probably a better matchup non-PPR because if the Jets are going to take anything away, they're going to take away the volume aspect of his game. He's likely to score a touchdown, and I won't even be surprised if he finds two touchdowns this week. That's that's the way he's been playing lately. He's been a... Uh, a touchdown machine, a red zone machine. Unfortunately, for a large part of last week's game, Joe Flacco forgot he had other wide receivers and just threw it to Amari Cooper. He's out there somewhere. Right. And then George comes back in with a defense question. Chiefs, Broncos, Rams, Raiders. Now, the Rams are my stream of the week, Josh, but let me remind you of some of these matchups. Um, Let's see here. 
Broncos have the Chargers, obviously Easton Stick taken there, but then also the Broncos aren't going to have their own offense. Chiefs have Cincinnati. We saw uh, Jake Browning maybe play a little bit worse last week. Rams, uh, struggling here. Rams have the Giants and the Raiders have the Indianapolis Colts in Indianapolis. So I right away, I know the Raiders have been this chic, sexy pick lately. I am taking them off of the list. They are not who I'm looking for. I'm actually going to go with my stream of the week here, Josh. Uh, Chiefs are mildly interesting to me, but I think this could be an interesting game. I'm going to go with the Los Angeles Rams um, taking on the Giants. Yeah, I will say I do like the Raiders. Um, they're, they're creating turnovers. Antonio Pierce has his defense. Yes, after they are. It. I think it sensed Antonio Pierce took over as the interim head coach, they are the defense one in fantasy. Yes. Uh, I'm, I'm sure part of that is buoyed by the fact that they had two pick sixes last week or return touchdowns, excuse me. Certainly um, that definitely helped. Um, but it's just, it's so hard to not want to play the Rams against the giants because that offensive line is so beat up. They have next to nothing when it comes to wide receiving weapons. It's if you can shut down Saquon Barkley, you're good because Darren Waller kind of shuts himself down. Uh, and Terod Taylor, I mean, maybe he's a spark, but you get maybe two chances to light it, and then pssst, that's kind of where I'm at with Terod Taylor. So, uh, and the Rams are the Rams defense is getting after it. They're getting after the quarterback. Obviously, with with Terod Taylor's mobility, uh, definitely limits the um, the sack upside, in my opinion. So if you're looking more at uh, turnover potential versus sacks, I think the Raiders are definitely the upside play there. Yeah. Rams are Gar- the safer bet. Garner Minshew's never seen an interception he didn't want to throw. <laughs> so or as much as I love throw to try to get his wide receivers decapitated. Yeah, or get, get players murdered. Now, if this game was in Vegas, the Raiders would be my stream of the week and they would be my pick because it's an indie that downgrades them a little bit for me. Uh, so that's why I'm going to go with the Rams here. But no, you, you've you changed my mind a little bit on the Raiders. That, that's a team I'm going to need to look more into. Guys, if you have more questions, we're still here for probably another half an hour or so. Feel free to drop them in the chat. Uh, with upside comes downside. These are the plays that we do not think are going to be good. And we are way better at downside than we are at upside. Let me tell you my picks. I went two and one last week, 21 and 24 on this season. I have Garrett Wilson under 10 fantasy points, taking on the Cleveland Browns defense to a tag not a top 10 quarterback this week at the Baltimore Ravens. And when I give you a two tutty special, I give you a no tutty special I'm way better at this. I'm eight and seven on the season calling the no touchdowns. Dalton Kincaid taking on new England. That story tells itself. New England shuts down tight ends. I don't see Dalton Kincaid getting free. I think he had like four fantasy points the last time they faced each other. But Josh, I think the larger concern for fantasy managers, Dalton Kincaid is probably a concern. But I think people rode to a Tagovailoa if they're in the championship with him this week. And you mentioned that Baltimore defense is just playing a different level of football right now. They are smacking people in the mouth. They are getting after people. They're getting great linebacker play. They're getting great secondary play. They're getting after the quarterback. And these are the things that Miami cannot afford to have happen to them right now. Um, The Ravens just shut down Brock Purdy. Trevor Lawrence was pretty mediocre against them. Matt Stafford did ball against Baltimore. That was a very weird game. Nobody saw that coming. That was a road game too, wasn't it? Baltimore was across. No, that was in Baltimore because that was like a rain game and everything. I just did not expect it to happen. Um, However, before that weird Matt Stafford game, they held 11 of the previous 12 quarterbacks under 20 fantasy points. You do not want to see fewer than 20 fantasy points from your quarterback in your fantasy championship. The long and short of it is, Tua Tagovailoa is not 100% healthy right now. He is dealing with injuries of his own. 
He has only hit 20 plus fantasy points in two of his last seven games. And those were also his only two multi-touchdown games over that span. Baltimore has only given up three multi-touchdown games to quarterbacks this entire season. So I believe Baltimore is going to be the right play this week in a game that is in Baltimore. Baltimore would love to just seal up the AFC this week and have very little to worry about if they can uh, smack Miami in the mouth. And as you mentioned, Patrick Queen said, that's exactly what they're looking to do. So I think it's going to be a rough week for Tua. I would not start him in a fantasy championship. Yeah, I well, I will say I'm a little torn on a decision where I have in a super flex potentially to start Tua or Jared Goff. And I don't like either of their matchups. Goff on the road in Dallas, Tua on the road in Baltimore. I'm trying to figure out what's the lesser of two evils at this point. I think the greater of two not evils. I'm betting on <laughs> I'm betting on Tyreek Hill. So in that situation in a super flex, I would not want to start Tua as my QB1. In that situation as a super flex, I love the sun god. He ain't Tyreek Hill. Tyreek Hill can score at a moment's notice. I'm gonna bet on Tyreek Hill in that situation. Yeah, really that's kind of where I'm at, too. He's got the more expensive. He's got the more explosive weapons. It's just one of those things with when you have a running back that scores 20 touchdowns. It's kind of hard to predict how many two is going to throw for. Yep. Right. Like the offense is really explosive, but it's become so centralized on Tyreek Hill, whereas the San Francisco offense, which the Miami offense is a, is a derivative of that. They're spreading the ball around a lot more. They're using McCaffrey. They're using Debo, Kittle, Ayuk. This Miami offense is basically Raheem Mostert and Tyreek Hill, and that's it, which is is crazy to me because of how talented Jalen Waddle is. Yeah. And, I mean, they even got Durham Smythe rocking and rolling in this offense last week, which I was like, huh? Because they never throw to him. They never throw to the tight end. He started the season decent. And then did nothing for like 10 weeks. But I think one of the things that hurts Tua, and it's not like he was ever much of a runner. My man has 53 rushing yards this season, zero rushing touchdowns. With what you get from Raheem Mostert, why would they ever run to a Tagovailoa? And so you take away that chance. They're not going to run a tush push. (laughs) They can't afford to get this man another concussion. It is Raheem Mostert. It's Raheem Mostert on fourth down. We saw that two weeks ago where they didn't care that he got stopped on the first three downs. <laughs> like, yep. We're going back to Raheem Mostert. And so I think Mostert limits to his upside, and I don't know that Baltimore is going to let him go off. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you. Josh also Here, went two and one last you. week. Yeah, Josh also went two and one last week, giving him 17 wins on the season, just four games behind me. So Josh needs to clean up over these next two weeks, though I don't know if we do upsides for week 18. I think I won, but regardless, you also went one and zero on your bonus pick. So you're not that far off. If you can go three and zero this week, Jordan love, not going to make the top 15 at Minnesota DJ Moore under 12 fantasy points versus the Atlanta Falcons and Tony Pollard under 10 fantasy points against the Detroit lions. And so he is averaging six and a half points per game, Josh. <laughs> so you're uh, over the last two weeks. You're not bought in this week, huh? I mean, I haven't been bought in all season. On well, Tony let's Pollard. be clear. Yeah, Josh has been anti-Tony Pollard <laughs> from the jump and confirmation bias has worked him through this season. <laughs> yeah, I mean, let's let's be real here. I will always take an opportunity to shit on the Dallas Cowboys. Yeah. And that's, that's really what this is. Ryan, you mentioned it. Tony Pollard is averaging over the last two weeks six and a half fantasy points per game. But it, it, it hits even deeper than that. In seven home games this year, where the Dallas Cowboys are 7-0 and 
Tony Pollard is averaging 61.9 rushing yards per game and only 18.3 passing yards per game. And out of those seven home games, he has scored a grand total of two touchdowns. Two. And and they're seven and oh, there's that whole broken narrative in the NFL where in games where the running back runs 20 times, the team wins 75% of the time because people don't realize they ran 20 times because the team was already winning. But in Dallas, they're bucking that chin. They're winning and they're still not giving their star running back the ball. But the best part about this is the, the Detroit Lions run defense. Over their last six games, no RB1 has topped 51 rushing yards. They've been that good. And more to the point, outside of teams quarterbacked by Justin Fields, they have not allowed any team to total 4.0 yards per carry. I say that obviously really? because Justin Fields is a running quarterback. Yeah. Yeah, and, and that tends rushing quarterbacks, good rushing quarterbacks tend to drag the yards yeah. per carry up. So yeah. So, no, yeah. no team over four yards per carry for a, for a Tony Pollard that's not playing very well this season doesn't bode well in your fantasy championship. So, Josh, I'm going to put you on the spot here. You are straight up calling him under 10 fantasy points. Mm-hmm. If there's an option out there, you're leaving Tony Pollard off of your championship roster? Yeah, but let's be real here. Did Tony Pollard he was never anybody your- to a championship? <laughs> <laughs> because if you spent a first-round pick on Tony Pollard, you, ain't in the championship. you probably, you yeah. Unless, unless you hit a home run on Raheem Mostert late in the draft, you probably didn't even make the playoffs. What is, what is his ranking on the season? I see he has 200 fantasy points. So he's still the RB13. This kind of reminds me of that David Johnson season from a few years ago where he was like the RB10 but was like just absolutely terrible for the Texans. I feel like we're getting a, a similar situation. Here. Yeah, I mean, and I, like I when I went through and did my projections, I, I was a lot lower on Pollard, I feel like, than most of us. And I had him as an R, as RB9 overall which at like, I felt like I was getting chastised for because everybody thought he had top five upside. And I'm like, look how this team is built. They're not going to run the football. Well, and he proved a a statement from our Monday show, Josh backup running backs are supposed to be more efficient. Tony Pollard goes from a perennial five plus yards per carry down to four, even as his first year of the starter. So again, when you look at what that Detroit defense isn't allowing, that's going to make it a lot harder on Tony Pollard this week. I, I like that call a lot. Um, though it does break my heart a little bit. That, uh, I mean, I guess I'm not in a championship, so it doesn't matter because I drafted Tony Pollard in some league. So <laughs> thank you, Tony Pollard. And then uh, Joe brings up the rear one and two last week, 16 wins, 29 losses on the season. I'm going to save the one I want to make fun of for last Puka Nakua outside the top 12 against the giants. That is a bold call on Joe's part, but he makes up. For I it. can't figure out if this is like another one of his reverse jinxes. Like, Oh uh, yeah. Week. Cause that's, so. that's a crazy, the giants are awful. <laughs> and, and Puka is not the uh, only George- thing I can think of with this pick. The only thing I can think of is he thinks that Kieran Williams is just going to run rough shot over the giants and they're not going to have to throw the football at all. That's the only reason I can see why he, Joe does not believe that Puka Nuku is uh, a top 12 option. One of those games where he's just uh, game scripted out essentially because yeah. they don't need him. Uh, he also has George Kittle outside of the top six at Washington. Also a relatively bold call because they're getting Kittle involved. Washington is terrible against tight end. Christian McCaffrey is going to put up a 50 burger this week. Don't say that because then no, I'm, I'm just saying if he had done it last week. And- 
Anyway, when we had Kevin on the Monday show or Monday show on Tuesday, yeah. we, we were talking about that. I was like, you know, I was this close to putting Christian McCaffrey as my biggest head scratcher because he only scored 28 fantasy points. So <laughs> let me tell a horror story. So my, my, my home league team just fell apart this week. I'm a, I'm a Mahomes and Kelsey guy. And I also have Christian McCaffrey. So going into the Monday night game, I needed Christian McCaffrey to have 10 more points than his best game of the season. And at halftime, that looked very, very possible. <laughs> All of a sudden after halftime, and Joe pointed this out. I don't have my phone next to me, Josh, but what was it in the last eight minutes? He only touched the ball one, one. time and only yeah. got like three yards or something like that in the game. I'm, tr- I'm trying to find that group chat. Hang on. Here yeah, I was going to say, I, I don't have it next to me, but uh, Joe Joe called him out on that. For he that said, head went into last night up 35 against the guy who had McCaffrey. He had 34. With eight minutes left in the game, he did not touch the ball the rest of the game outside of a one-yard run. I love Kyle Shanahan. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, that's what happened to me is I, I I went into halftime with a little bit of hope. I, I thought I was done, but McCaffrey gave me a little bit of hope. So when you said he scored 50, if he if he drops a 50 this week, I'm going to be quite disappointed because that's just a, a week too late for me there. But the one I don't understand, and I guess I understand it. Let me be clear. The one that I think is just a freebie. Portland Sutton outside of the top 25 versus the Chargers. You think he's hurt? <laughs> Jarrett Stidham is his quarterback. They have nothing to play for. I won't be surprised if this ends up being a tie and Joe doesn't even get the win here because I don't think Cortland Sutton even appears in this game. But when I saw this one, Josh, I just shook my head. I'm like, Joe, just trying to take a cheap win. <laughs> yep. Oh, 100%. I mean, we, we know the touchdown upside that Cortland Sutton comes with, so – any other week, I don't think this is that like safe of a bet, basically. I agree. And but again, coming off a dud last week, literally zero fantasy points because he left early with a concussion. They're if they're willing to sit Russell Wilson, you can't play. Why him. are they gonna rush Cortland Sutton back from a concussion? Not to mention I, I no throw this stat it. out almost weekly. I think only two, maybe three players now have played the week after they got a concussion. The NFL yeah. has been very careful this season. So again, nah, I think this is gonna up, missed two. Yeah. So I think this is gonna end up being a tie. I don't even think Joe is gonna get the win here. Uh guys, we are coming towards the end of the show. George has a question for us. I'm gonna get it up on the screen. If you have any final questions heading into your championship matchup, we will get them answered. Drop them in the chat. Even Twitter, we can see those now. Feel free to drop them in there. But Josh, George wants to know, he has Jalen Waddle, who they have said will not play again this season, but it's the last week anyway, and he ain't playing this week. Should he drop Jalen Waddle for KJ Osborne? He uh, was he played Waddle as his flex last week. He is now considering running Ty Chandler in the flex. So I think the real question here is, Josh, KJ Osborne or Ty Chandler, and at the very least, should he be picking up KJ Osborne from blocking his opponent? Because I know you've been a big uh, KJ Osborne guy. Yeah, I, I like KJ Osborne. Um, he'll inevitably end up taking some of those slot snaps from TJ Hawkinson um, as he typically, like at least ahead before this year played a lot out of the slot this year, not as much. But I think part of that is because of, you know, having Jordan Addison, but obviously not having the full trio of Jefferson Addison and, and Osborne. And they're not likely to have that this week either with Addison dealing with that ankle injury. But to the to the Jalen Waddle point, if he's not playing, this is likely your last week. And even if it's not, if you're playing a championship in week 18, get the person that's going to help you get to week 18. Everything if that's KJ Osborne, on, yeah. go get it. 
everything I read on Waddle was don't even expect him back this season. So I, I don't think there's ever a play, even if there is a week. Uh, no, they'll likely bring him back in the playoffs. I, I don't. Oh, I meant yeah, I meant regular season. Regular apologies. season. Yes. Okay, yep. yeah. So I mean, if we're talking redraft, which I assume this is, yeah, you can drop Jalen Waddle. That's fine. Like you're good. Pick up KJ Osborne again. I think KJ's effectiveness ultimately lies with whether or not Jordan Addison is um, active. Also out. Yeah. Yeah. If Addison is out, I am 100% riding with KJ Osborne. Ty Chandler kind of showed who he was last week. He's not against the tough Detroit defense as a Ty Chandler defender. (laughs) I mean, he still managed to to get in the end end zone, zone. which is great, but he had 17 yards on eight carries. Well, Josh, this goes back to some words of wisdom. We've been giving people this entire season wide receivers are dominating PPR scoring. So if this is PPR, I'm probably going Osborne regardless. If it's half PPR, it gets a little bit more interesting. If it's standard, it gets much more interesting. But if this is your regular PPR league, George, I'm probably going KJ Osborne, even if Jordan Addison plays. Um, The thing that worried me about Ty Chandler last week, Josh, and you even kind of brought this up on the show, was we thought maybe Ty Chandler might get involved in the passing game, but I think he had zero targets. Like, I don't think he was even throwing a ball, or at the very least he had zero catches. So the fact that they didn't even try to get him involved in that aspect of the game in a game where they lost TJ Hawkinson, there's just a lot of reasons not to trust Ty Chandler right now, even in a better, better than Detroit matchup. Green Bay has, has given up points to running backs, but they give up points to wide receivers too. As Josh has pointed out, they have lost their best corner. I'm going KJ Osborne in this matchup. If there is any PPR, but George corrects me in the middle of my sentence. It is non PPR Josh. So now we're betting on touchdowns and I'm going to pivot my answer completely and say it's Ty Chandler. <laughs> Not me. Green Bay's pass defense is hella worse than their run defense. So and that's fair. KJ and KJ Osborne found the end zone last week too. Does. Okay, Josh, let me say Jordan Addison is active. And, and just to make this even more complicated for you, Jordan Addison is active and comes in without an injury designation. Are you still going Osborne and non PPR? The only way that I'm feeling comfortable starting Ty Chandler is if Alexander Madison is out. Okay. That's it. So you need no Alexander Madison in this game. And then that's what we get Ty Chandler and you're on. I think that's a fair point. Um, I didn't even really consider that, that Addison or Madison, we've been focusing on the receivers, but if Alexander Madison comes back, that would be a problem as well. They're both good plays. You're already saying I, I accidentally brought this comment up when you told us it was non-PPR. You, you typed too quickly. So I got that one up there. Not many options on waivers. I think you're choosing between the best two options, but I think the moral of this story, go get KJ Osborne right now, if at the very least before your opponent does, because he's probably the best uh, wide receiver out there on waivers right now. So Yeah, especially I'm, if you're saying that there are many options. So Yeah, what's funny is, Josh, I have a league where uh, I'm in the third place game, and I try to be nice when I'm in the third place game I'm not playing for anything like there's no money or anything involved I just want to be able to say I'm third place and I lost Waddle and probably don't have Keenan Allen I straight up only have Amon Ross St. Brown I want to go grab KJ Osborne but I'm waiting until tomorrow so I give the two championship teams yeah and I think that's the right way to do it we had that question I don't know if it came in on one of the streams or if it was in one of the YouTube comments but one of our one of our YouTube subscribers that's what they were asking it's you know I'm not in the championship i'm not playing for anything but i still want to win and that's just a natural competitive spirit and i was like you know if there's not any league mandate settings that say teams that aren't in the playoffs can't make roster moves then ideally sure you are free to do whatever the hell you want because you are in you're you're working within the league guidelines right but my personal feelings 
if I'm not playing for anything, there's no money on the line and there's not like a loser punishment of some kind. I don't care. Like I'm pro honestly, I'm not even starting a lineup. Really. I'm moving on and paying more attention to the leagues where I actually have a chance to win. But I did last week. Yeah. Now I have no leagues. (laughs) And we were, we were kind of going back and forth and they were like, you know, maybe I'll just let them have like the first run. And if they don't make a move, that's on them and I'll do my thing. And I'm like, you know what? That to me is the perfect compromise. Yep. So yeah, I get that. Perfect. And that's exactly what I'm doing. It makes me feel a little bit better guys. It is time for the final stream of the week for the 2023 season. I do 17 weeks because all the players play 17 games, so I don't mess with week 18. That way I can compare myself accurately to the players I'll be comparing myself to when I do accountability. So the long and short of it is, it is the championship week, stream of the week, week 17, stream of the week, all available in about 50% of ESPN leagues. Give me Derek Carr at quarterback. We've talked a lot about this matchup against Tampa Bay. Streamers have a great championship matchup here. Tampa Bay gives up the eighth most points to quarterbacks, 22 points per game. And since week 11, they've allowed five 250-yard games and six quarterbacks have scored a touchdown against them. At tight end, I'll take Chigazim Okonkwo taking on Houston. He's been getting more and more involved in the offense, and Houston allows the third most points to tight ends. David Njoku just beat them for six catches, 44 yards, and a touchdown last week. And Chig actually went three for 36 two weeks ago. You throw a touchdown on top of that, he's a top 10 play. And with defense, I've already mentioned it, the Los Angeles Rams taking on the New York Giants. The Giants are going back to Rod Taylor, but it's been a quarterback disaster for them recently. In two starts this season, Taylor has given up seven and nine points to fantasy defenses. And the Giants overall give up the second most points to the position. Since week nine in seven games, they have allowed 36 sacks and seven turnovers. That equates to about 10 fantasy points per game for defenses. That gives the Rams a really safe floor. Those are the week 17 streams of the week. Full article available tomorrow. Good luck in your championship. So I want to bring this up because this literally just happened while you were Uh-oh. reading off your streams of the week. I got a notification. Uh, the Athletics' Diana Rossini is reporting that the Broncos are likely to cut Russell Wilson in March before that injury designation trigger in his contract. So basically that means that they're going to be on the hook for about 30 plus million on their of uh, dead cap, right? So they're basically just eating the money and saying, you know what? We're moving on. The fit isn't there. Sean Payton is the future. We want him to, to go in and get his guy, right? So here's my question. Right now, even if Russ isn't, you know, danger Russ, right? Like he's not the Seahawks rush, yeah. Russ. He's still, in my opinion, one of the top, I'd say, 18 quarterbacks in the NFL. Yep. There's a lot of very bad quarterback play. Oh, certainly. Where do you think that Russell Wilson will inevitably sign? Atlanta. I As soon as I heard it, he's going to go there and just be in Future's face every single day of this man's life. Future is a Falcons fan. I think he goes to like three or four games per season. <laughs> the Falcons need a quarterback. They have Drake London, Kyle Pitts, Bajan Robinson, book it, Sierra and Russ going back to the A. Fuck you, Future. <laughs> Why would he want to do that though? That's what I don't understand. <laughs> like, <laughs> I just want to be an asshole. <laughs> Chaos grenade. Yeah. Um, does he keep it in division? I think the Raiders are interesting. I think Antonio Pierce would love to have him. Um, of course, that's assuming that Pierce. If the Raiders do not hire Antonio oh, yeah. Pierce, pack it the fuck up you have ruined your franchise because you are going to have fans 
who are never going to trust you again. Antonio Pierce. And I know a lot of interim head coaches pull off some things like this. Josh, you said it. Number one defense in fantasy football and probably close to the NFL since he took over. They are playing inspired football. This is a former player. They probably look at him as a brother in arms. I think it would be an enormous mistake. I think you dictate to him. You need a lot of say in the coordinators he brings in. You have got to give him this team. I agree. I, 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 I've I been preaching this. Like I, I truly believe that Antonio Pierce should be, and he has at least earned the right to have, you know, a three or four year deal to yeah. coach the Raiders going forward. Like he he's inspiring the defense. He's a motivator. He is a Raider. I understand he played professionally with the Giants, but he grew up in Raider Nation. Yep. Every single win in that locker room, Raiders! Like, he he eats, sleeps, and breathes the Raiders, right? Like, keep this guy in the city. Keep this guy around this team. They want to play with him. They want to play for him. They're in his ear. He, he leans on these veterans. And so many locker rooms, like, th- this is what Philly did. This is how Nick Sirianni became like so beloved with this locker room. He leaned on the veterans. He leaned on the veterans. And so many of these coaches come in with these egos that they need to stroke. And if you're not buying into them, they don't care. Coaches need to buy into the players. And that's what Antonio Pierce has done. And that's why he's been able to win over this locker room. Use some of this draft capital which they didn't really have last year with the uh, the Devontae Adams deal. And they've had a string of god-awful draft picks with Mike Mayock. Re- start to rebuild this whole thing. Even if you ride it out with Aiden O'Connell next year and say, you know what, if, if we suck, we suck. It is what it is. We got to get into a position to get one of these top 2025 guys at quarterback. But you're taking the time to build the team. That this is exactly what Philly did around Jalen Hurts. They yeah. built the team. And so many teams try to force these quarterback picks before the team is ready. And that's why these young quarterbacks flame out. Look at what Houston did. Houston went, they banked on Davis Mills. He sucked. So <laughs> be it. Got him in a position to draft CJ Stroud. But what did they do before that? They built the team. And that now is, look at him. That's a really good the that that comparison makes itself because Mills was a fourth round pick, which I think Third O'Connell round pick. was okay. Uh, but similar O'Connell situation where a middle pick. of the draft pick, not somebody you have a ton of money invested in. Now that I've had a little time to think about it, I'm not being totally facetious. I'll give you one more team, and then Josh, I can you can let me know if you think uh you have a team as well. But uh Washington would be an interesting fit for Russ as well. You have an established team around him, a team that is in sort of a win-now mode with uh, Terry McLaurin getting probably towards the end of his contract there, Jahan Dotson getting towards the end of his rookie contract. You have Antonio Gibson who's leaving in free agency, but they may have found something in Chris Rodriguez there. They obviously need to build the defense around him, but I think Eric Bieniemy, an established offensive coordinator, would be attractive to Russ. However, you're also going to a division you're not going to win, but I mean, he did the same thing with the Broncos. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, at this point, like Russ isn't going to be lining up to be like, all right, I need the best possible situation. Like he's either going to be retiring or it's going to be a Derek Carr situation where he's just the best available free agent. And some team that's desperate is going to throw money at him. I can definitely see Washington, but again, that's another team that's going to be in flux. Ron Rivera is not going to be that head coach next year. Shouldn't be. So if that's the case, 
unless they promote Eric Bieniemy to ah, head coach, so I don't think that Eric Bieniemy is even going to be there next really year. Fair, okay. So I th- again, that's another team that I think there's a lot of question marks around. Um, you know, I could see him potentially landing. Uh, there is, I literally just had a team off the top of my head. Um, Pittsburgh, ah. a team that plays good defense. They were in the running. Defense. They were in the running when he initially was leaving. There, there were rumors about him going to yeah. Pittsburgh at that point. And this way, they would get him with just the financial commitment. Kenny Pickett, sorry, it, it ain't it. And you know what? It's like I don't blame Pittsburgh for that. They they fell victim to the fact that they lost their franchise quarterback and needed a quarterback in a bad quarterback class. Yep, it, shit happens. It it is what it's the same thing that happened to Buffalo when they ended up taking EJ Manuel. And that same year when the Jets ended up with Geno Smith, it was just a bad quarterback class. And you know what? Sometimes that happens. So you say you don't, don't blame, blame Pittsburgh. Them for taking a swing. I blame them for one reason. It, coming into that year, Josh, Kenny Pickett, Desmond Ritter, and um, Malik, Willis. And Malik Willis. But yep. Sam Howell. To, Sam Howell was being looked at as a second round pick, but those three guys were being looked at as the the same grouping. And those other guys went way later in the draft, but Pittsburgh took him at like 16 overall. So yeah. I blame them for taking him in the first round. But then again, there's the whole fifth year option thing. If you believe in the guy, um, but it's just that grouping. And obviously Pittsburgh, you didn't know those guys were going to fall so many damn rounds, but I just feel like the talent evaluation on Kenny Pickett in that draft class was a, a big miss by the NFL in general. So that's, that's oh, the one thing. Uh, yeah. A hundred percent. I mean, could you have waited? Sure. But again, nobody else knew that everybody else in the league didn't like this quarterback class either, right? Exactly. So, you know, you, you take the quarterbacks in the first round because it you get basically that one year longer to evaluate them. That's I mean, why I say I don't blame Pittsburgh for making that pick. You can argue that they could have potentially got a different quarterback that Pickett wasn't the QB1 in that class, which I would agree he's not. Yeah, but I, at this pick. point, I well, yeah, sure. <laughs> but let's let's be real. I'm sorry. I I I'm not I know buying that. You're not Just, a rock pretty guy buying. at all. I'm yeah, not. But. He fell to the perfect system, but regardless. Um that like to me, I think Russ to Pittsburgh makes the most sense. You line him up with a good like defense, that. they continue to build the offensive line. You bring in a different offensive coordinator that you know hopefully can provide better line blocking schemes for the running game. Because if Najee Harris just figures out how to be Zeke and just fall forward for four yards because he's six foot three, yeah, this can be a very effective running game yep. between him and the spark plug that is Jalen Warren. Yep. You put that behind Russ, maybe you move off from Deontay Johnson. You have a big play guy, excuse me, in uh, George Pickens. Calvin Austin seems like a pretty legit slot guy there. You still have Allen Robinson off that contract. I don't know. Maybe they move off from him as well, but I think then they, you I think can then you can use some one. of that. Okay, well then you can bring in some of that draft capital. Yes, they, they and these guys they pluck wide receivers out of nowhere. They find them. So I and that to me seems like the most tailor made spot for Russ, where he can just kind of throw the football maybe like five hundred times for you know thirty four hundred yards, get his twenty five touchdowns, not make mistakes. Have a good running game, play good defense. That's Pittsburgh Steelers football. It's just crazy because 10 weeks in, we were talking about Russ is rejuvenated and this, that, and now they're cutting him. Like, how 
crazy. Josh, before I get the last question up here, we, we're talking about future for, for some quarterbacks. I was thinking about this today, and I, I hadn't put much thought to it, so I'm just going to put it out for you. Does Trey Lance get another shot next year, or is he stuck on the Dallas Cowboys bench next year? Uh, I believe he's stuck on their bench. I'm not talking about contract wise. I'm, ta- I'm saying, do you think somebody out there tries to, tries to get a hold of him? Uh, tries to trade for him? Yeah. Uh, I could definitely see it considering, um, I mean, look, you have, I think you have three playable options at quarterback. When you look at Caleb Williams, Drake may Jaden Daniels, right? Those are the three incoming rookie quarterbacks that right now I think are sitting atop most everybody's board. Um, the debate will then lie around Bo Nix, Michael Penix, Michael Penix with the medicals, Bo Nix because of age, et cetera. Um, so if any of those teams that are quarterback desperate end up missing on one of these quarterbacks, I could see them maybe swinging a deal on like a day two of the draft or even day three to, you know, bring Trey Lance in for, you know, a fifth, couple fifths, you know, a couple late round draft picks, something like that. Dallas capitalizes on that. Um, and just say, you know what? here and then we have you for the rest of training camp and you can kind of show us have you learned anything have you been able to pick up something you know sitting behind guys like you know brock purdy jimmy garoppolo dak prescott working in some of these different systems how much have you worked on your footwork and your mechanics to where you can actually be an effective quarterback and not just a runner that throws the football yeah, I think an interesting team for that discussion, if they don't want to trade, I know we talk about them all the time, but is the Atlanta Falcons because they're technically still fighting for a playoff spot. They're either going to have to give up the farm to get one of these franchise quarterbacks or they're going to have to settle again. And settle has not worked out for them well nope. to this point. So personally, yeah. I think they should probably make the big trade. You've been a a proponent of go get Justin Fields. Like it, yeah. it seems like the bears don't know what they want to do. Go make the bears an offer. They can't refuse and bring Justin Fields in there. But uh, if they don't want to do that, Trey Lance to Atlanta could be an interesting one. Uh, our buddy, uh, is it Joe Felon? Elon yeah. <laughs> is going to get us out of here. Non PPR standard league pick two wide receivers, two running backs and a flex. So we're starting five of these guys. That is Brees Hall, Jameer Gibbs, Alvin Kamara, Chris Olave, Puka Nakua, Michael Pittman. I believe if my math is correct, we are benching one human yeah. being here, Josh. So who are we sitting for me? It's a pretty easy call. Sit Michael Pittman <laughs> coming off of this injury. I mean, I don't know. He cleared protocol last week and they decided not to play him. So, Yeah, I think that um, Pittman is the interesting one. Um, Man, but he's just, he's been so reliable when he plays. Oh my, a target hog. It's yeah, ridiculous. so like I, shit, honestly, based off all those stats that you just read off, why the hell do I even want to start Chris Olave? I know you have high hopes for him, but dude has 22 combined fantasy points against Tampa in what, four games? Like three games. Yep. No, you're absolutely right. Chris Olave is a guy I like. It's a rough matchup. Um, Let's not pretend the Browns aren't going to be a tough matchup for Brees Hall in in a game where I'm not sure that Jets offense is going to be able to do a whole lot. But Brees Hall showed last week he can break it off at any single point. And and that's something I don't want to bet against in a a non-PPR league. If I'm looking at these six names and saying who is the least likely to score a touchdown, I think it's Michael Pittman against that Raiders defense. You guys talked up the Raiders defense all week. Yeah, I mean, that's fair. That's fair. All right, guys. 
Well, we appreciate each and every one of you. Just because the season is over does not mean Club Fantasy is over. We are going to be here every single Wednesday for the rest of the se- or rest of the year, rest of next season. We don't take Wednesdays off except for the day after Thanksgiving is what I'm trying to say. Uh, January is a big month for us. We do accountability. So you guys are going to hear us come out and tell you what we got right, what we got wrong. Uh, we have no problems admitting to either one of those things. We'll have some really good shows planned for you there. Um, Josh, we're going to do start sit on Saturday again, right? For the championship week. So and then we have Saturday. Our- and then of course our annual airing of the fantasy grievances episode. It's usually about oh. a two, two and a half hour show. We invite all of our friends across the, across the fantasy space. And we basically just get to bitch and complain for two and a half hours about who screwed us and kept us from winning a championship. And, and this year, I have a feeling that Arthur Smith's name will come up quite a bit. I, damn you, Josh. I was going to say this year, the show for the first time ever is sponsored by the Atlanta Falcons and Arthur Smith. <laughs> because man was it a rough season so no uh two more saturday shows coming up for you guys at least two more dfs shows coming up for you guys but more importantly this wednesday show what you just tuned in and watched tonight we are going to be going every single wednesday we do not take the off season off we are going to be here to help you guys with dynasty decisions anything you want we're here to help you with but uh it starts with accountability for josh hudson i'm ryan weiss you can see the twitter handles make sure you're following club fantasy on all the socials at club fantasy ffl you can find all of our work at club fantasy ffl.com and if you're watching us on youtube just go ahead and hit subscribe it would really help us out one subscriber away from 700 all right i see the numbers dwindling because i said it's the end of the show there are 11 of you still left one of you bitches hit subscribe <laughs> right now we would appreciate it thank you guys so much good luck in your championships unless you're playing josh you certainly ain't playing joe or myself but everybody else i hope you guys have a great championship and we'll see you guys for dfs shows but more importantly start sit different day every saturday and most importantly this saturday for the championship Good luck.